0: Thanks for your time, and be healthy and blessed. Oh my god, thank you so much for calling in. I feel so blessed. Oh my goodness.
1: Hello, and welcome to Heroes Prefer Crossbows, the podcast with a human face. I'm Greg Smith, your number one boy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm Matt Smith, your number two boy. No relation. In this episode, we're going to talk about Celeste, Dead Cells, or <laughs> kicked the trash can can. i think this is the perfect take in this (laughs) episode we're gonna talk about celeste dead cells no man's sky next and neverwinter let's party i don't think we should
1: record another one i think (laughs) we should just use that Right, so this list was uh, developed and published by Matt Mix Games. Um, You're who's welcome. In the uh, in the studio with me today. It was released January twenty fifth, two thousand and eighteen, on all major platforms. Uh, it was very good. I heard it was very good. It's a real good game. Everyone on the internet was like, "This is very good," and I do like that kind of game. So I played it. One of the things that. Uh, is kind of cool about it. Like Actually, this is something I think is cool about the indie indie game scene in general, is that um, people use game making as a way to talk about things that are uh, not often talked about. And this game is, uh, well, people say it's about mental illness or depression or anxiety or some combination of the above. And um, it is. And um, one of the things I think that I was thinking about, I think... I, I was hearing people say it's about mental illness, and then my, my first response after playing the game was, well, is it about mental illness? Like, doesn't everybody have their demons, they things that hold them back, uh, self-doubt, um, a, a a Jungian shadow, if you will. the, uh, the, the Thank you the, for teaching
0: me that term, by the way.
1: Yeah, so Carl Jung, uh, noted psychologist, student of... Um, Oh, shit, I'm embarrassing myself by not remembering the
0: the fucking dude's name. This is not a psychology podcast. Yeah, well, I should know this. Well, while you're looking that up, I'll just say that... um, I'm not
1: looking it up. I actually knew off the top of my head, and now Sigmund Freud. um,
0: (laughs) You mean like the single most most famous psychologist to ever live?
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Anyway, what the term means is that it's the part of your personality that you reject as being part of your personality um the example that an example that I, I give to explain it that's similar to an example that someone used to explain it to me was that like let's say you go to the coffee shop and you're like i'm a person who always tips but uh i'm not going to today because i have this reason um and then what you and then you don't you don't tip your coffee barista that's a redundant
0: and shame on you
1: and so um if you, there's there's a couple there's like two realities there. One is I am a person who always tips, and the fact that they didn't that time. So the reality is they're a person who usually tips maybe, but they read they take that particular action and they don't identify with it. They say that's not really me.
0: So it's a it's a cognitive dissonance essentially. It's a, they're divorcing themselves from the action they've taken.
1: Um, yeah, and the, I think the idea is that everybody has. Uh, A sense of an an ego, a sense of identity that is um, not always perfectly aligned with uh, you know their actions. Um, I remember in an episode of Bojack Horseman a while ago. Oh, such a good show! Bojack asked, "What's what's her face?" uh, "Um, Do you think I'm really a good person deep down inside? And she responds, "I don't think I don't think there is a deep down inside. I think you are just your actions." And I thought that was uh,
0: Pretty, pretty good. That show is just so... I don't want to... We could talk... We do a whole podcast just about that show, but no, man, that show is so poignant and on point.
1: Yeah, and I, I think the the point, the the point she's making there is very good because um, your sense of identity is not what other people actually interact with.
0: People interact with what you say and do. Right, which yeah. could be totally false. Yeah. And this game, I think... I mean, this game is very much on the nose in that sort of... Uh, that sort of idea. Yeah, this, this was a, a a game about
1: uh, Madeline. Is that right? I think it's Madeline. Yeah. yeah. Um, l- she had her shadow, which was th- thankfully Car- Carl was was prescient
0: enough to call it something creepy. <laughs> let's let's stop and and say for a second this this is gonna delve into some spoiler spoiler spoils sp- the spoil the spoiler sp- of territories. the territories of spoilers.
1: Yeah, for the first half of the game, maybe. Let's call it that I think that's fair,
0: yeah, I mean this game she she literally encounters her her shadow version of herself that she initially refuses to acknowledge and refuses to um uh, and then eventually refuses to sort of side with and then eventually acknowledges and like tries to separate herself from, yeah. and then I really think you know it's it's really awesome how at the end she um. She sort of has to come to terms wait, with that.
1: Wait, are we talking about the end? Because we just oh. promised that we were only going to spoil the first half of the game. Oh, shit. You're right. Oh, shit. <laughs> at the end of the game, she comes to terms and, <laughs> with her problems. Sure, all right, spoilers sure no one for saw all coming. of Celeste. <laughs> no, no, no. We're good. <laughs> yeah. We're good. Um,
0: right, right. And, but, and, uh, the way that's at, and the way that's illustrated is like, you <laughs> actually... so bad at spoilers. <laughs> you, she actually ends up like getting new abilities. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but that's exactly it. Like, she gains new abilities because um, in in rejecting... The message is that by rejecting the part of herself that she doesn't like, she's fighting herself. Right. And um, really what she realizes, again, spoilers for the entire game, is that uh, the part of herself that has these qualities she doesn't like, like being mean, um, wanting to walk away from a toxic relationship, for example um has is is a response to things that have happened to her. like it's been like you 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 know this is the 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 part of her that has uh, been hurt and is afraid and has these defense mechanisms that can be useful um and so she i think I, again, like they personify it, but I think it's very, very literal for what a healing process can be. Right, uh, for a lot of people.
0: Everybody has a light side and a dark side and you're not a complete person unless you sort of lean into both uh, both of those and keep them in check. They keep each other in check I think is sort of the, the message the game tries to tell uh, at the end.
1: There's this quote I really I really like. I don't know who says it but it's, uh, the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being. Uh, and the person who said that I can't pronounce their name. Gulag Archipelago? That sounds like a place.
0: It does. Wait. Archipelago is a series of islands.
1: Oh, it's a book. It's a book. An account of the Soviet prison system. Interesting. I, I, I'm definitely gonna leave that tab open. But anyway, um, anyway, what, what one thing I like about that story is that it's a, a very um, um, grounded in reality and probably real. you know developers put that apostrophe before, or after the S yes, appropriately. Uh, real personal experiences, it really uh, strikes me as being a, a very, um, you know, realistic portrayal of, uh, you know, mental illness, depression, anxiety, whatever, um, which, again, in media is uncommon. And also, um, one thing I like about it is that they really say a lot with few words, there's not a lot of story in the game. It's not a long game.
0: Yeah, it's pretty short and there's it's you know, there's basically a set number of plot points throughout the game, um, in, you know, it's sort of interspliced between all the platforming. That's sort of the meat and potatoes of the game. Um and and I like that. And I like how it's sort of like this this sort of gentle skeleton uh that keeps you going.
1: Yeah, and they're they're really willing to um even though they are willing to like, kind of be explicit, they're also willing to put something on the table and say we're not going to answer this one. One of the, th- the cases I'm thinking of is um, when Madeline is on the the cable car
0: with uh, a boy. I don't remember his name. The boy. Oh yeah. The boy. The texting the fo- the fella who wants to be Instagram famous.
1: I'm gonna. I just searched Madeline boy, which doesn't help at all. <laughs> Madeline and Pepito, bad boy. Okay, I'll leave this tab open too. <laughs> Come uh, back to that one later. <laughs> Madeline, Celeste, cast. We can edit this out, but we probably won't because I think it's cool to just like embarrass yourself publicly because this is also a real story about real people. I can't remember his name. We're going to call him Wentworth. Um, <laughs> All right. We're like, she's like, I thought we were going to die. Uh how did you know we were going to make it? And he said, "Oh, I thought we were going too."
0: Right? Oh man. And Is that it, where the feather mechanic comes into the game?
1: Yeah, that's around the same time. Oh, that's so good. But I love I love how they don't try to explain that or even say anything about it. They don't comment on that at all. They're just like that's that was his reaction. And I don't know, like it, to me it resonates cuz I've I think I've known people like that and doesn't no, i i don't i also don't have an answer like it feels like something that seems like in my experience is something that can happen but i don't know what
0: to say about it either i mean i think it just illustrates how everybody reacts everybody has different coping mechanisms to stress um and some people it's I don't more even, i don't even know what his was i mean some for some people it's very visible and for others it's you know internal yeah um and you know he sort of you know, epitomizes that internal, uh, or, or did he, I don't know. I mean, he, he, he claims that he was terrified, but we, as the, as the player, don't. he didn't
1: say he was terrified.
0: He said, I thought we were goners." Oh, he thought we were goners. Oh, interesting. So perhaps he acknowledges that they were goners, but he did. It, it just, he doesn't care. Maybe he
1: was just down to die that day.
0: Perhaps so. Like maybe he was just at peace. He just he just maybe he's so he's so relaxed that he's just like cards are gonna fall where they will, man.
1: Yeah, Um, and that's what's interesting about how they didn't touch on it.
0: Um, He could be the star of his own game. He's he's a fascinating character study in his own right. Yeah,
1: yeah, he was great. He was a great foil. This 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 fellow we can't remember the name of. Yeah, his name was Wentworth.
0: Um. So story aside, what, what, else, uh, what else do you think? You played, we should say that Greg just recently completed this game. I played it uh, maybe like f- three or four months ago. Um, so it's fresher in his mind. Um, so what, what do you think of the actual platforming and the, the, the I overall? I guess I had
1: game? one other thing that was on my mind. You mentioned the feather thing. I think it was cool that they built breathing, a breathing practice trainer into the game. That's actually what that, that is, is pretty
0: it is it's exactly what that is. Um,
1: I know somebody uh, who um, struggles with anxiety and built a breathing practice app that they released. Um, and I was like, "Oh wow, this is exactly what that person made. I thought that was really interesting. Um, and I don't know, so it's, so it's kind of like it was interesting that they were in a situation where she was going to die, and then they give you the you know breathing practice. It's not the same as meditation, but it's similar. And uh, I remember, I remember hearing actually uh, somebody else in my life, who was also like, I'm a, I'm a meditator. I like have done a lot of Buddhist reading, uh, and podcasting, uh, podcast listening that is.
0: And um, I was gonna say you have a, you have like a relaxation podcast. I don't know about.
1: No, I wish. This is it. <laughs> this is the relaxation podcast. Um, but I remember them saying once, oh, you know, you realize that. This is all this is just practice for death, right? <laughs> I was like, whoa, that's interesting. Ooh, heavy. Yeah, it's pretty heavy. Um, anyway, that was the last thing I had in my mind about that part of Celeste. That's enough of the heavy stuff. Um, so I guess I want to get the criticisms out of the way because I don't want to end on them, I guess. Um, so I really enjoyed the puzzling. Um, one of the things that I... I still kind of struggle with exactly how I want to articulate it, so I'm just gonna go with the what, the, the, the words I wrote down last time I thought about it. The solutions are not always as as crispy as I liked, um,
0: and crispy is a deliberately vague word. Like it's a feeling. Yeah, it's a it's 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 a very intangible word that I think you can use to describe many games in many contexts, but it certainly applies here.
1: Yeah, I I think part of it was like. It felt like, at a fundamental level, like, the length of a jump and the tile set of the maps were not, uh, like, a jump wasn't exactly four tiles or something, it was like 4.13 or something like that. And so, um, you don't go through the levels being like, okay, this is a max height jump, this is a half max height jump, this is a, Every situation felt a little bit like,
0: ah, oh, let's figure it out. You, I'd be, I'd be really interested to hear how, like, a pro speedrunner analyzes this game and what their take is. Um, yeah, and
1: they, and they might t- tell me I'm full of shit, <laughs>
0: but... Um, I'm, you might be right. I mean, I, I agree with you. There definitely felt like there was some inconsistencies in the platforming. Yeah. Uh, I mean, overall, I really liked it, but it definitely, like, there were definitely, I, again, it's been a several months since I picked it up, but when I did play it, um, I remember thinking to myself, like, I feel like I've I've done the same thing three or four times, and every single time I've done it, like it reacts like a little bit differently.
1: Yeah, I guess when I was talking about the grid thing, I wasn't saying that because I think that was true. I'm saying that because it felt like it was maybe something like that, and um, I'm, it's just me grasping at straws because I don't know exactly how to. Put what, it into whether words.
0: whether or not it's like technically true, the the way we way you experience it is, yeah. you know. And what your t- real truth is live your truth bro live my
1: truth that's good advice um sometimes i couldn't tell if after getting a strawberry i was like is that the way you're supposed to do it um i think it was related to this it was like the solutions were often like a combination of figuring out what to do and also finding edge cases in the mechanics and sure i guess sometimes it, I, it wasn't sure like Oh, was this a, was this a puzzle where the solution was finding this edge case on mechanics, or did I just happen to do it that way, and not feeling like com- com- completely sure which it was?
0: Yeah, I, I'd have to agree there. I felt like sometimes I just sort of stumbled into a solution like through happenstance, um, especially when it comes to. The, I think you pursued the strawberries more uh, fervently than I did, um, but in in the few that I did go after. Or that I should say the the minority that I did go after, um, I definitely felt like sometimes I just got lucky, um, and 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 some of those encounters probably suffered from a, a lack of clear design, or at least a lack of a clear answer.
1: My biggest pet peeve, which is something that I know exactly what it is and therefore can use it as a concrete example of the type of thing, is this: in most platform games that I know and love, at least. Um, there's a if you die by flying off the bottom of the screen, you die. After your your character is like all the way off the screen, and then a little bit of buffer, and then there's the point where if you go below that Y value, you're dead. Um, let's take for example a really great game that I it's personally one of my favorite games I've ever ever Donkey Kong Country Two. I guess probably the 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 other ones, some of the other ones too, have a mechanic where if you use Y to roll off of a ledge, you can press B during the roll to jump off of the air. So like they would put a banana maybe in a pit, you'd roll down, get it, press jump, and jump out of the pit. And so as a result of that mechanic, you could go off the bottom of the screen a little bit, but save yourself by pressing jump. Um, And Celeste, which has an even more important jumping in air mechanic, which is the air dash. Um, it doesn't let you do do that. As soon as, I think, it's something al- it felt like if, like, Celeste not, that's her name, is not Celeste. Mountain's name is Celeste. If, like, Madeline's Sprite was, like, halfway off the screen, you died instantly.
0: Oh yeah, the kill box is very, very precise.
1: And uh. it's like, cut me a little slack. I'm not cheesing it right now. It's just that's just what I'm used to from games, and it's always worked for me um and like kill boxes or hit boxes you generally um want to make them forgiving um
0: do you think that's intentional i mean obviously do th- i don't
1: think it is i think that it's just um it was just not some i think a lot of th- a lot of things about the game design kind of felt like they were kind of it's it kind of like if if they didn't read the textbook you know, the the 500-page textbook and platform design before they built it. And uh, hmm. I
0: don't think they have to. I don't, I don't think that book exists. You think maybe they just read the most recent Massacre games and didn't look at, like, the progenitors of, of that kind of... Uh... I,
1: I, I'm not going to theorize, because I have no idea. It, it could be that they played the same games I did and just didn't realize these details, but they noticed other things that they did bring into the game that make it good in other ways, and just our experiences were different, and so... Um, it's not like I'm not trying to say they're bad or good at it. Is what I'm getting at. I'm saying is oh, I guess, I'm saying more like I think they definitely thought about it differently than I do, and ma- and ended up building something different from some of the platform games that I'm most familiar with, and that ended up being frustrating at times. Um, and I think in some cases, I'll you know I don't want to completely divorce myself from the like I'm not saying it's good or bad. I think in some cases there there are some things like this that I would describe as improvements like the the hitbox for flying off the screen. I think it would be... An, I'm pretty confident in saying I think it's an, it would be an improvement to make that more generous.
0: I mean, I feel like perhaps to compensate for that, you know, granted I haven't played Donkey Kong Country 2 in a very, very, very long time, so you have to correct me if I'm wrong here, but I feel like Celeste and more recent games in this genre are much more... are much better at putting you right back in the game when you do die um, mm-hmm. and i think that's you know that's the technology increasing to some extent but it's also just sort of the philosophy of the game design i think uh,
1: i think the philosophy of game design has really evolved in that area
0: like you can die in celeste and be back within like what 2 seconds whereas probably the, and, and and even then that 2 seconds felt too long <laughs> i mean when you when you're really frustrated any amount of time is is, is too long I, fe-
1: I felt the same way in mario odyssey when you die, there's an animation of you losing the ten coins that you lose for dying, and then the like screen fades. I was like, make that make that one second instead of three. Like I I know I lose ten coins. I don't need to be reminded
0: every single time. Yep. It's like a
1: three second animation. Felt like they're rubbing
0: into my face. <laughs> you I could, think I think that's something that a lot of game designers don't necessarily consider, or if they do consider it, they just don't care. Um, I think I think that depends on the genre of game. I think that
1: the I think things are evolving. Um I think that people will have to figure it out for a while when a new the, the the concept of um low delay before you start playing again has been around for a few years, probably more than a few years. And I think there's still like we're trying different takes on it and it's
0: it it depends on I mean this is a game where you Dying is a part of the process of completing the game. Like, you can't. There are parts of this game and parts of many games that are similar to Celeste. Um, where you can't possibly get through certain encounters without trial and error, without no, dying. No. There are other parts you know, there are parts of Mario Odyssey and in games that are more, you know, not quite as hardcore, where you could easily get through them, and maybe you only die because you weren't paying attention or you had some bad luck, um, and therefore they don't. The game designers don't feel quite as compelled to consider uh you you know how frustrated that three second load might make you um whereas in celeste you know you're obviously you're you're going to die it's built into the you know the dna of the game
1: yeah i mean playtesting also comes into it like it could have been a 10 second delay and then in playtesting they were like we gotta make it shorter gotta make it shorter and at the end of playtesting, this is how short it was. And if they playtested it for... you got to draw a line in the sand somewhere. No, you don't. you, <laughs> you just you got to stop playtesting at some point. Well, right. right. Um, I wanted to compare it to some other games. Like, Super Meat Boy was an obvious comparison to me. Um, which is uh, more of an execution-focused game, where Celeste is more of a puzzly game. And Super Meat Boy's mechanics are really... Uh, Interesting because the way I remember them, well, first of all, they're super good. Second of all, they're floaty on the in a in a weird way. Like you get a lot of hang time, but you only have horizontal mobility as a result of that hang time, um, which made it really unique and really catered well to the. They, they used that throughout the design of
0: the game. Um... It's funny how such a small change in physics can have such a dramatic impact on how the game plays.
1: Yeah, and the whole game feels... Like, so those, those mechanics are perfected. I remember there was an interview where someone asked the creator of Super Meat Boy, like, what's the secret to your platforming mechanics? He was like, there's no secret. You just keep hacking at it until it tweaking it until it feels right. And the code is a shitty mess. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> of, twe- of tweaks and hacks <laughs> until it felt right. Um, and then they built a game that catered to it perfectly. Um... That's In, really cool. Yeah, and and and, and Celeste, um I think the mechanics don't feel quite a, are, are a little looser than I'd like. They're a little less intuitive than I'd like, um, and we already talked about like I don't we, I don't feel that the g- level design is always always emerges from the. The, the platforming mechanics
0: yeah i i mean this could be completely off base but i've i definitely have the impression that the design of celeste is very much sort of the opposite of that of Super meat boy where they built a story um and then designed your platforming around that story as opposed to the other way around oh.
1: yeah it couldn't just be a completely different process from the beginning um when I, I've, I've programmed a few games before, and I what I've found is my process for making games is that I make a, me- program a mechanic that's fun, and then I build levels around it. Um, and I think Super Meat Boy is probably similar. Probably had a similar process, or, a, or a, the end result seems like it to me. Um, there was actually one thing that really frustrated me about Mario Maker. I was really excited about Mario Maker. I still think it's a great game. I love it. I got a lot of fun from it.
0: Please bring Mario Maker to Switch, Nintendo. Oh,
1: for real, though. Um, It didn't scratch my level design itch the way I wanted it to, and it's because all of the items in Mario, I've already seen really good explorations of what those items can do and how they can interact, and I didn't feel like I had anything to add. Um, Hmm. And I watch Mario Maker streamers a lot, like uh, Carl Sagan 42, uh, The Beast... T H A Beast 721. Uh, he's awesome. I think he just went full time. Um, and so there's other ones out there like uh, uh, Grand Pooh Bear, um, Bar- Barbarous King is another one. Uh, the Mario Maker c- Twitch community is amazing. Um, so I've seen a lot of Mario Maker levels. And what I'm finding, especially now, is that a lot of those levels find unintended behaviors of the game. Like item interactions that are kind of buggy, and all of the all of the streamers learn those, and people build levels around them that are Mm. not like any real Mario game that ever existed, and they eat that up. They love it. It's interesting and fun. And I was like, oh, that's what I wanted to do. It's just that I didn't stay with it long enough to find weird glitches in the game and then build levels around it.
0: I mean, I feel like in a in a game like Mario Maker, where you know you're sort of incentivized to strip the game bare and reduce it to its smallest possible components you're inevitably going to stumble across those unintended uh, interactions
1: yeah and there's a few things that are, that's are been weird about it is that like, Nintendo has patched some of them and some of them they've had two kinds of patches they've had some patches where okay, n- in new levels the physics are fixed so that you can't do that but if you play an old level you still need to be able to be- be- beat it so the mechanics will be there but there's been some bugs that they fixed fix globally, and that may has has rendered some old levels unbeatable.
0: I feel like Nintendo just needs to be like, "This is the game we're releasing it out into the world, and just embrace that you know this, the 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 culture of of glitchiness that that uh, is inevitably going to be built around it, and just let it be what it is, unless it's truly like, you know, br- you know, making it unplayable or making it so you can't use the game. I a think
1: they're in a a weird spot, because you don't want levels to be unbeatable without weird technologies and glitches, because it makes the game less accessible. But the community of people who are high-level players, who have memorized all these uh, these obscure glitches, want it to be. So they are almost in a position where they have to choose.
0: Mm. The vocal minority, or, or the, yeah, and, know, and the general populace? Yeah,
1: and, and neither of those groups are wrong. Like, I don't think it's reasonable to want both. <laughs> it's just a tough spot. It's kind of a, a problem of user design content in games that... Well, Mario Maker is probably one of the first games I can think of to really deal with this problem on this scale, and this, like, high budget a game. I guess, maybe not. this is the first one where I got this familiar with it. Well, let's see more nice things about Celeste. It was good. oh wait where you said that It
0: was a real good game.
1: I loved the difficulty a lot. I think it, the difficulty in Celeste was perfect. Um, there was nothing that I couldn't figure out by trying for 15 20 minutes. I agree, um, which is great i I always got rewarded. I never felt frustrated out of proportion with the reward I got when I finally solved it. And that's a hard balance.
0: And I, I always, and it's, it's great because I'd always look at my death count when I beat a level. And I, you know, even if that numble, number, number, number? <laughs> number. Number's right. Go on. Even if that number ballooned to, you know, hundreds and hundreds of deaths, for me, that was sort of like, I almost looked at that as a badge of honor and not so much like, you know, a shame. You know, oh, I didn't, yeah. it wasn't something to be ashamed of.
1: And the game encourages you to feel that way about it through all, through all of its design.
0: Did you play any of the B sides or c sides No, I'd, I didn't either because I felt like I felt like that would strain the the territory of being too frustrating
1: i i don't I didn't think the only reason I didn't was because I have a lot of games to play no,
0: well, same yeah,
1: <laughs> and I was just like I played through the main game, I got every strawberry I saw, which was a great challenge. I didn't want to go i'm much more interested in solving the puzzle for a goal I can see versus like
0: spending hours like being like oh did i miss this one yeah yeah i i I agree i basically Um, just went for the strawberries i came across and i didn't you know exert any extra effort yeah
1: and i feel like i had a perfect video game experience i don't want to mess with it i'm just gonna move on sing the praises revisit it if i ever um you know gain immortality and need to find something to do
0: well speaking of moving on should we move on to another game in the interest of time here
1: uh i wanted to talk about the controller too but we can do that real quick all right go ahead i recently got a pro controller and i had been playing it with octopath traveler and uh uh probably i guess mainly that i love it it's a great controller i really want to get one very very comfortable one of the best controllers just to hold button placements are great button feels are great D-pad is great. It has a longer analog stick than the Joy Cons, which is uh, makes it more precise. Really, uh, definitely for any kind of. Oh, Skyrim was the other game I played with the Pro Controller. Any game worth uh, first-person view and the analog sticks are for movement and looking around. Especially look moving the camera. You want a longer stick. Um, are you buying it right now? I'm
0: buying it right now. Yes,
1: we're gonna. This is this
0: is a. This is good content.
1: This is a. Um, this is this is why you do your show live you never know what's going to happen oh he's clicking wait, it wait
0: what why are there $594 worth of you items? You almost of, ke- almost clicked <laughs> space your order. And I'm
1: seeing that there's $594.40 oh, in was I cart. was
0: helping Lindsay uh, pick out items for ah! her PC build. Um, let's see. Oh, no. How do you edit your cart? Return um, <laughs> to cart. Uh,
1: <laughs> you, uh, oh, dude, don't get the HDMI matrix switch. No. <laughs> Save for later is the button you want.
0: How do I delete? Th- Here we go, delete. Save for later. No, no don't delete. I, sh- She bought these. She oh, bought these on her account. I was just it. helping her pick shit out. Um, I, told, I totally derailed your discussion. <laughs> no, this. I'm, this
1: is better. <laughs> right. $62.65. Welcome to
0: Amazon.com, that's the a, podcast. That's a reasonable price. I thought they were like $70. I. And this, is like, this is with Prime. This is with Prime. You yeah. don't have to pay for it's shipping. It's going to be here like on Saturday. You're going to love it. It's done. Um, it's ordered.
1: The only complaint I have about it is a complaint I've had about most controllers over the years which is imprecise D-pads, the D-pad being the the, the plus-shaped digital directional controls up down left, right. Um, The first time I remember being really upset about a D-pad was on the Xbox 360. Oh, it was atrocious. Um, And if you... I, I know there's been dissections of why it was so bad. It's basically not four buttons. It's like a weird assembly that, like, is a rod that goes down into the guts of the controller and control sensors down there. I don't know what goes on in the pits of the Xbox 360 controller hell, but what I do know is that when I was playing Luminous and trying to get a million points, I needed more precision on my D-pad because there was just two... The, so con- consider a circle. And we're all familiar with degrees, measurement of, uh, you know... Angular length around the circumference of a, a circle.
0: I believe there's 360 degrees. There's
1: 360 of them. And now imagine there's a D pad, and each po- there's eight possible inputs on a D pad: up, up right, right, down right, down, down left, left, up left. Was that? That's up. it. Yep. So there's only seven.
0: We. <laughs> Anyway, there's eight. There's eight. There's eight. <laughs>
1: and um, each one of those inputs has a certain number of degrees on that circle, where if your thumb is just in the middle, and you're pushing it toward some angular, some, some, some degree of direction, you're going to get one of those eight out, uh, inputs out of it. So what's 360 divided by 8? Uh, is anyone capable of this kind of advanced math? 45?
0: That sounds right. I think It is forty five. So,
1: what you would think if you were to just be like solve this problem in a vacuum, each input should be forty five degrees. Let's say, it, let's say let's say that's ideal. I don't know if it is, but let's say that's ideal for a second. The three sixty controller felt like there was like twenty degrees for right, and then like sixty five degrees for upright or something.
0: I think it's s- is it in the in the brief. Moments I've held the controller, when I think I was over at your your apartment holding it, um, it felt like the D-pad was a little on the small side. I'm wondering if On that...
1: the Switch yeah. Pro Controller? Yeah. No, it's size is fine. Is it? Okay. Yeah. But the point is, you want in a game, in a, a Luminous, a, 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 a Tetris-like game where you're making blocks drop, down means drop that block immediately. Matt's checking his phone. He doesn't like this, this part Sorry, of the discussion. Sorry,
0: I, I just wanted to make sure it wasn't in <laughs> Um
1: So you don't want to accidentally press down. Another game I played was Kirby, and Kirby up goes through doors. You don't want to accidentally press up, I you to go through the door without intending. On the Xbox 360 controller, I would constantly do a quick right press and accidentally get a down press, and my block, block would drop fast. Hmm. So I don't know if it's because... The ideal is 45 all around, and it was less. Or maybe the ideal is actually to have a larger window for the cardinal directions and a smaller window for the diagonals. I don't really know. I could probably set set you up a nice experiment where you could test this, but unfortunately I don't have the resources to do that. The point is, it felt wrong on the 360 controller. To a lesser degree, it feels wrong on the Switch Pro Controller. The Switch Joy-Cons... Do not have this problem in the least because it's four separate buttons. Your finger knows if you're only pressing right or if you're also pressing down because there's separate haptic feedback for each thing. There's no being confused about what right. you're pressing. I,
0: I played the game, see, I, I, up until this very, this very moment, I did not own a pro controller and I played it exclusively on the uh, Joy Cons. And I started with the analog stick and I very quickly switched over to the D pad and I had a great experience. Hmm. Um,
1: some platform games analog stick is is also good for different reasons. The reason I feel like I wanted the D-pad with precision in Switch is be- the air dashing is eight directions. Oh yeah, and if you do it
0: wrong of the eight directions, you'd be probably dead. You you, you in Celeste, your, mo- your movements ha- in in most games of that type, you your movements have to be very very precise. Yeah. And you and you just don't you have much more control on the D pad and especially with that D pad.
1: And I think it's a little bit more than precision in a way. I know people do well with these types of games with analog sticks. Sometimes, like Mario Maker, people actually switch. Uh, pre- 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 like really good, high evident players will switch between analog and D pad based on what they're doing. It is a little situational. Hmm. I think the situation in Celeste is. I'm moving one way, and then I need to quickly do a dash in a different direction. I think that's the thing where quickly changing to a completely different button input accurately is much easier to do on a D-pad for me, at least.
0: Yeah, I mean, you need to be able to determine like ex- between those cardinal directions um, without
1: any wiggle room. I think a part of it is because your button press, like the dash button, might be while you're in transit. And if the analog stick is close to centered there's even less precision. So if you're going from like right to up left, you're moving through a no man's land where there is like no precision.
0: Yeah, I mean there's there's a graph somewhere, you know, in in the internal circuitry of that of that input device where it's looking at the pers- the position of your analog stick and saying, you know, this is the point in that mm-hmm. movement path where this kind of movement is the interpreted control, and this kind of movement is the interpreted control and yeah, that's, it's and, that's, it's, it's, and it's, it's very ambiguous with an analog stick uh,
1: it feels ambiguous yeah. because um let's say you're um it's kind of like um oh, there's a perfect metaphor for this, let me come up with it when your analog stick is almost centered, it should be zero zero, right the position of the analog stick, let's describe it as x y coordinates zero zero Oh, centered. it makes sense, yeah, so when you're almost centered, the difference between up, upright, right, downright, down, right, down is like tiny. But when you're nowhere near centered there's a bigger difference between the distinct right cardinal directions. So if your analog stick is moving past the center when you press the button, the difference between dashing up and dashing upright might be you know, a Micron or something. That's a random unit. But you, you see what I'm saying? Um, it's kind of like, imagine you were driving a car and your steering wheel wasn't steering wheel sized. It was one inch across.
0: <laughs> what would it be like to drive your car?
1: Really hard. Really hard. So anyway, I'm i am probably harping on this way too much, but hopefully it was let interesting.
0: Me, let, me, let me just ask you just to wrap this up real quick. Um, as someone who's used the Pro Controller and the Joy-Con to a great extent, um, do, is there is there more height on the pro controller joystick? Oh yeah, okay.
1: Like significant, like maybe double.
0: Because I mean that just having a high when, with any kind of joystick, having more height equals more precision. More precision because yep. the input that you're giving is 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 just uh, it's more granular.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's the same. It's actually it's exactly the same thing as the tiny steering wheel thing. Um, um, it's it's kind of like why our record. If a record's spinning on a turntable, the inside of the turn is like spinning fast, the outside is spinning slow, but really the same number of degrees is passed mm-hmm. whenever the further away you are from the center, it's further distance for the same amount of rotation, and so it's easier to be precise
0: i can I can tie this back to a real world real world thing um also using a controller when i'm I, I, when I fly my drone um and I'm doing slow cinematic pans with my drone, um, the height of the stick is adjustable. Mm. And i found that if you make the stick higher, that you have much more precise control over that pan. And
1: the reason it's the same as a wheel is because the stick is actually rotating in three-dimensional space around a pivot that is at the bottom of the um, stick. So instead of being a wheel, it's a... which is like... Something rotating on 2D, uh, an analog stick, is rotating in, uh, around a sphere. Right. And controller design is fascinating. Oh, yeah. I love watching... Some of my favorite videos are the ones for stuff like this, for any kind of material design. I love seeing how sculptors build these things to get the material, like, for the shape of the controller right. Because you can... When you're working in a CAD or something, a 3D modeling tool on a computer... You can tweak all you want, but then you've got to spend an hour with 3D printing it before you know what your tweaks did. With clay, you can shift some off and slap some on at a moment's notice and immediately know what you're doing. So that's actually the way to do it. I think that's fascinating. Do you want to just rip through the rest of these Let's well, just topics? rip through them. Let's rip it. Just rip it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> really... We definitely need to throw in like in post like a rip sound effect.
1: Matt, whoa, Matt just tore a phone book in half. That's fucking incredible. Welcome
0: to rip it. Rip, 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 rip it.
1: Yeah, I'm also gonna take off my shirt. So, <laughs> um, De- Dead Cells is a game that I played in early access at some point. Mm, last yearish. I think last year. Um, and I'm really, I was really stoked about it. And Matt, you started playing it. I think the first time after it's released It was developed and published by Motion Twin It came out August 7th Which is a couple weeks ago when we're recording this The official release, yes So so you hadn't played it in early access Uh, What were your impressions?
0: Um, Dead uh, Dead Cells has some of the best uh, fluidity of movement That I've ever played in a 2D game Um, It's also one of the reasons I'm super excited for Spider-Man Which appears to offer a similar level of uh, fluid movement Although obviously in a 3D game um, it has a perfect amount of momentum, weight, responses. Those are my words. You can't read that. Oh, shit. Did you type those and not <laughs> yeah. me? Yeah. Sorry. I lost track <laughs> of who typed it. It sounds like you agree. <laughs> I do agree with that. Now
1: everyone knows how our podcast works, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, they're tuned perfectly. Like, it's, um, I would, t- you know, talking about, you know, the design process for platform games, I would love to hear them talk about how this game was developed, oh, like it's, how, it's, how they got
0: to that. Re- result it, it it's so carefully considered I, i'd have to believe that it w- would have to be so much iteration happen to make it the way it is oh, certainly um so here's some things i actually
1: wrote <laughs> 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 uh, see, uh, how, how can, i think obviously like i don't care because like I'm, i got i got no secrets but like as long, as long as we don't sound like we're reading it from a Google Doc, I'm happy, right?
0: <laughs> well, I thought... I was just in the interest of ripping through it. I'm,
1: I, I, I'm going to let the results speak for themselves. But All right.
0: Just, just sorry wanna... if this is bad content, everybody. <laughs> this is a great content. Um, so I, I just love how this game makes you... Um, for those of you that don't know, uh, Dead Cells is... Um, I guess It's it described, I guess, as a rogue-like um, mm-hmm. in the sense that it does not... Um, <laughs> it's procedurally generated to a certain extent The, the increasingly uh, meaningless label of roguelike Right um, You When you die, you do start the game over um, But there are also certain things that uh, Certain milestones you reach Certain levels that you unlock that are permanent
1: I'm going to draw a line in the sand that um, I hope the world is ready for It might not be, but I still need to do this do It's it. a Spelunky-like
0: Ooh, I like that Hmm I mean, some people describe it as a Metroidvania as well, but it's also not quite. Oh, that. sure, a little bit. Um, it definitely. It sort of. It sort of borrows from a lot of different, uh, you know, games yeah. that have come before it. Um, you you unlock gear as you progress, um, but I, what I really love is how the game it makes you. As you play, you're sort of you're given certain weapons. you're given certain abilities um, that are that are sort of randomized within a pool of of certain abilities and items that you've unlocked. And it forces you to use, uh, things that you may not have uh, necessarily used before, um, even you know, I'll play through the game once and I'll fall in love with a certain build, and I'll be like, "Oh my god, I am a, I am, I am death incarnate. Uh, all of my enemies fall like dominoes before me," <laughs> and then I'll die. I'll fuck up eventually, and uh, then the game will be like, "Here's two items you've never even tried before."
1: It, it rewards improvisation and adaptation in a way that's very satisfying.
0: Yep, absolutely. Um, it, it really doesn't get old, um, no matter how many times you've played through it. I just, uh, the other night, I don't think I told you this yet, I got to the final boss Ooh. Um, of the game. How many I, hours in? Uh, it was about a two-and-a-half-hour run. Uh, I don't know how many total hours I put into the game. Okay, um, I'd have to look that up. That's a long run. It was a long run. It was a very carefully that's considered like a, that's run. That's like a raid. Yeah, it was It was long. Uh, it was a long run, um, very carefully considered. Um, lots of points during the run where I thought I was going to die, and I just sort of pulled up my ass out of the fire. Um, but I got to a point, like I said, where I was just... Every every enemy that fell before me, um, you know, was just... It was a hot knife through butter situation. I was destroying everything. I had an incredible combination of high-level weapons using ice and fire to just brutalize everything. And then I got to the last boss... And I was dead within ten seconds.
1: <laughs> yeah, you'd never been there before. <laughs> I was absolutely I was, unprepared. I was, I was mentally preparing to ask you how many seconds did you last?
0: <laughs> it was not long. It yeah. was, it was even with my, uh, even with the th- the level three potion I had. Um, I just ne- didn't even have time to deploy because I was dead. So you, you didn't even know what to do. Yeah. That's the thing. definitely a boss where you have to, uh, you have to sort of have an understanding of what his attacks look like, and if you're unprepared for it, then you're 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 fucked. Yeah,
1: that makes sense.
0: Um, uh, every single time you play it, though, you, um, you feel like, you know, despite, despite that two and a half hour run where I, you know, did it, I very, very carefully considered all of my actions and I built up this incredible build. Um, even after having that all stripped away from me in a matter of seconds, (laughs) um, I still was like, oh, it's again, I'll get once more. Um, except at that point it was like three in the morning. So I was like, okay, I should probably sleep, but I went back to it the next day and I'm still playing it. And, uh, every single time you play, it's incredible how you just feel like, uh, oh, I'll get a little bit uh, next, next time I can do better. Next time I'll be, I'll do better regardless of how, you know, infinitesimal your, uh, improvement is. Yeah. I can't wait to buy it. I don't know what platform
1: I'm going to play it on. Um, I, I played the early access, on Steam, and I was using my PS4 controller.
0: Definitely play with a controller. It's, I played with an Xbox controller on PC. I've heard the Switch version, unfortunately, has some performance issues.
1: And I guess I'm not playing it there, even though um, that's I want to play it.
0: But yeah, I would love to play it on Switch. Maybe, maybe they'll fix that. Who knows? Um, I got no time to fuck around. Alright. Um, I, I think that's enough said about uh, Dead Cells. You should sure. play it. It's great.
1: Yeah, I, I, I plan on getting it. I just gotta, gotta get through a couple of games first. Still playing Octopath Traveler, like 35 hours in, maybe. Yeah, I need to get back here. There's still a lot more to do. It's a long game. Um, No Man's Sky Next is something that we decided to pick up on. Um, And the first thing, I think maybe the second thing we did was, um, even though I think this wasn't new to Next, it was our first time back to playing the game for a while. And multiplayer is new. So uh, Matt and I, I actually mentally corrected myself so that I would say, not say, me and Matt, um, well done. And also, one of our one of our pals joined the same game together, and started base building, and like that got so addictive so quickly that it, we were like a little out of control.
0: I'm I'm pretty sure base building, as a concept, was not. Uh, it was re- released a few patches back, but I'm pretty sure the creative mode that we really dived into that is, I believe new to, to next. Oh, okay. Um, so it's, it's basically Minecraft in space in a lot of ways. Um, except that you have in, in this creative mode, you have unlimited resources. You don't have to worry about, you know, keeping yourself alive. This is is infinite Legos. It's just, yeah, it's, it's like, here you go. You you can build whatever you want with, you know, as infinite number of resources and you're, you're freely, uh, you're completely free to, uh, use your imagination to build whatever you want
1: one thing they did perfectly in the creative mode that i think it's executed so well that you might not even think about it but um this is definitely something i thought about a lot was how it's not on a grid like in minecraft it's voxels everything is a grid right um however as soon as you put something down things you attach to it link up on that grid so basically you'd Decide what the grid is for your base, but it's separate from the grid of the terrain, which is a powerful resource for, like, well, in my case, I built a Hacienda on a mountainside. It is at an angle because I wanted that perfect view of that sunset over the, over the bay. And I was able to do that, and I really appreciate that. And um, the mining is really good, so you can build a tunnel from your base into the mountainside and have it pop out somewhere else. And all of that works flawlessly. Um, I, the mining is pretty precise because the terrain grid is really small, vo- small voxels. But um, when I I was actually to the point where I was like, when I save and load again, is this really gonna look the same? Um, it does. It, it's it's yeah. They've done a good job. They did a spectacular job with those like fundamentals of how building works.
0: I I ran into trouble because I built a base. Um, <laughs> Well, two different things happened. Once I built a base and my game crashed and, like, mm. three and a half hours of work were undone. Um, but I, I took it again in a totally different planet, a totally different environment, um, and I found an, a planet where it was full of these close encounters of the third kind-esque, ma- like, pillars of rock. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I tried to build a base inside one of those pillars, so I basically built, a, like... 500 foot long bridge out to this island and then I built sort of a garage at the base of this uh, this rock structure Uh and then I built a landing pad on top of it and I built sort of a scaffolding around the periphery of the outside of it to get to link the the bottom to the top, and then I tried to build like a series of tunnels in, the connecting the two, and that's sort where of I ran into trouble because it was it it sort of limits how you can use the terrain manipulation tool when it thinks you're inside your base. Yeah. Um. And I, I think that that's unfortunate. Couldn't you just like delete the ceiling and then do it? I try. I, it became. Really difficult to know where my ceiling was. I, it ended up creating these really cr- like terrifying moments where I'm like in the middle of this giant rock structure and I don't know which direction is up anymore. <laughs> uh, that sounds dizzying. Yeah. Um, anyway, but uh, it sounds cool. It's still like, fun.
1: I, yeah, I think that like, you know, from that, if you haven't played it before and you want to check it out, I guess our advice is, um, if you want. Take some time to not, like, get invested in your first base and, like...
0: Yeah, build a shitter base.
1: B- uh, learn the mechanics a little bit. Do some experimentation just to see how grids work, see how digging works, see how interaction with, interaction with objects works. Do an upload. You can have an unlimited number of bases, apparently, so you're not, like, wasting a slot by fucking around a little bit. And then once you have kind of, like, got that figured out, then go nuts.
0: Um, I'm I'm curious to try eventually playing building a base within the 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 actual main version of the uh, the, the the primary exploration version of the game, but I feel like it's just gonna take. Forever. I don't have
1: time for that, man. Yeah. All I want to do when I log in is play the exploration game that I thought it was originally, um, and I'm not hating at all right now because God only knows this game has enough fucking hates. Even still, I've been watching a popular streamer play recently, uh, King Goth. Uh, because normally I think I've found because he's a Destiny streamer. Um he plays, if, he plays it a lot actually. He plays it a whole lot. Um and it feels like every five minutes someone in chat's like, No man's guy, more like lies and crimes And like so like every like five minutes of stream he's like Actually, have you checked out uh, the next expansion? They've added a lot of free content since the game came out, and it really has gotten a lot closer to the dream that they originally promised without charging more for it, so you should give it a try. And it's like he goes to the spiel every five minutes. I'm exaggerating. But um, it's like, wow, what an amazing
0: uh, story for this game. Um, It's come a long way. It's still not perfect, but it's come very, very far.
1: One of the things that amazes me was... um, I remember after the game was kind of a, a weird, a flop that got a lot of backlash, the, the developer kind of went silent and started developing free updates. So when I heard that I was like, oh, poor dears. Um, and I remember there was an interview recently, maybe in Polygon, where the interv- where where they talk, where the creator talked about that and he said, well when everyone was hating and abusing us on Twitter and all this stuff, I just did what I always do when the world's being shitty to me, which is put my head down and build video games. And awesome to hear a case where that actually ended up being the right thing to do.
0: I think they were the victim of uh, their own hype. Um, I I, I think they were actually a victim of Sony's hype.
1: I think they were a victim of inexperience. Um, They didn't know... What this, how this was gonna go? Like they've never, they had never done something. Like well, this they before. had a really
0: cool concept. I mean, I think they had a really attractive, I you know, on the when you just hear the idea of No Man's Sky, it's this infinite, you know, seemingly infinite universe, procedurally generated worlds, um, which is
1: incredible and has never
0: been done before. It never been. It was a totally unique idea, and I think, you know, I think it was maybe. In a couple years before the game came out, originally, maybe like 2013, 2014, I think Sony executives looked in this game and they were like, this is fucking incredible on paper. We really want to like, you know, use this as a selling point for the for the PlayStation, because um, originally it was, uh, or maybe not a PS4 exclusive, but it was definitely like heavily marketed by, by Sony. And I think you know, as a small developer making their first game, I think it was their first game um they how could they not you know embrace all this attention and all this hype um that Sony bestowed upon them? I
1: don't know i don't i I think that I think that there's something to be said without without like what with, what I don't think there has to be a villain I think that no Man's Sky is great because of the naivety, naivety, naivety was what let them try to build something that had never been done before that was incredible. And I think that is it's both its greatest benefit and its greatest weakness.
0: I, I think it was just... I think No Man's Sky would, would still be as good as it is right now and would have avoided all of the backlash if they had simply been like, this game's coming out in early access, and it's not done. As opposed to what I think, what I imagine, and what I assume, was Sony being like, you have to release this game. It's going to be a flagship title for PlayStation. Um, And I could be completely wrong. I could be completely imagining this, but in my mind, it really feels like uh they were their hand was sort of forced by, you know, this corporate uh this corporate mechanism. Yeah, I
1: also don't want to blame I don't want to defend Sony. Like they've done so many shitty things over the years. I don't put it beyond them. Yeah. I just to me, um you know, like I, I do think the spirit of we can do anything let them create something incredible that's never been done before. And it also wasn't everything.
0: And I think, regardless of how everything played out, you really have to admire. Just like you said, you know, they they took this criticism and they just put their heads to the ground and just kept doing what they were good at. They committed, and I think they'll probably continue to make the game better. Yeah. If um, so they ever
1: have paid up, to, have a paid update, though, that's going to be a fun discussion. Yeah. Um. So whenever I log in, all I want to do. Oh, we're not gonna. We're not going to finish all the content yeah. This will just be a long
0: one, if you're okay with it's that. It's a long, it's it's going to be a long podcast, you
1: That's That's fine. We're all in it together. Um, all I want to do when I want to log in is fly my ship around and find cool planets and check them out. Um, and I feel like the planets aren't different enough from each other to make that interesting for a long period of time. But I still keep coming back and doing it.
0: Yeah, I agree. I feel like you know No Man's Sky has always suffered from after a few hours of playing you sort of started to realize that okay there's like a there's certain a f- number of planet architects that e- archetypes that yeah, exist
1: there's only like 12 animal shapes
0: right now now there's more but it's still finite and it's still a number that you can easily run into mm-hmm. you can you can easily uh you know eclipse that number um with a few hours of playing um but i agree that it's still it's for some re- you know even understanding that limitation and recognizing you know the the, the that it is a limitation it's still fun i yeah. think um there's a certain um there's a certain joy to be found in uh in naming a planet that you know that no one's ever been to before even if it's only like even if it only has superficial differences from a planet you saw, you know, a few days ago.
1: I, w- I went back to Good Planet last time I played. Nice. Every time I looked at an animal and flower and saw what I'd named it, I laughed.
0: Yeah, it's just, you know, it's this, it's, it's the idea that you could, you know, that you look at this and be like, eh. it's it's It sort of creates this, this series of inside jokes and this, uh, this just satisfaction of knowing that you were the one that, 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 that created that shit Mm. or not created that that uh gave it discovered it that you gave it ostensibly right
1: um i think a lot of people love they added an overwhelming amount of crafting because to them that's uh what they love about this game um i have always been more of the explorer type and i think that i didn't Get as much about out of the next as maybe some other people did in terms of content they like. I'm, but I'm not complaining because I'm so happy that this game is starting to become a success story. After all, because I, even when it was new, and everyone was there was incredible backlash. Even amongst the backlash, I was like, I really kind of like just flying around and checking stuff out. and I still still do.
0: It's super fun. I, I, the the crafting element for me is sort of the least appealing part of the game. Um, I recognize that, you know, there has to be some kind of progression barrier in the game, uh, to make it, you know, uh, quote unquote, you know, fun to play. Um, but I, I always, there was a point more, more recently, uh, even after next came out where I found myself making like a, a note in my notes app being like, oh, I need to make sure I'm collecting these items so that I can build this, so that I can build this. And it's just this never-ending chain of of construction. And for me, that's just not as fun as just cruising around and exploring the world or exploring the universe.
1: One thing that I struggle with is um, normal mode seems like a brutal grind and a massive amount of learning. You have to do it to even play. And in creative mode, it's like none of that whatsoever. I think I think,
0: hopefully, uh, th- they recognize that, and that we'll see some sort of middle ground between those two. Extremes. Easy mode, easy mode, exactly. I would like easy casual mode. mode. Casual mode, <laughs> casual mode, filthy mode, filthy casual mode. Yeah, we're not sponsored by filthy casual.
1: The the number of perfect vistas per minute is shockingly high. The there's just so many times when I'm just like. Wow, that sunset with those clouds. Wow, the clouds look really fucking good. Oh,
0: the visual overhaul is probably the most successful part of Next. In I'll, n- my-
1: I'll never get tired of just seeing a cool planet in the sky.
0: <laughs> the, the, look of the When you burst through the cra- the clouds when you're flying into a planet now, it, it looks awesome. Yeah. And the also the like, ring like, planets like look
1: 70, great, good. Like 70% of the time, it looks awesome. <laughs> Living planets are Even really on cool.
0: planets that are, you know are totally shitty and awful, otherwise they're just like giant dead rocks. Um, yeah, you know, it still looks great.
1: Yeah. So, our last game for the the podcast is Neverwinter, and it's because we were playing. I've been thinking about. So I've wanted to play an MMO with friends for a while, but none of my none of my friends have really been into that idea. Uh, our, we have a clan in Destiny that we've been playing Destiny for
0: four years. What? I mean, I don't know when you picked it up, but I've been playing it since launch. Uh
1: I started playing it shortly after launch.
0: So, yeah. This this September will be the 4th anniversary of the original Destiny.
1: Destiny is I didn't re- I just made the mental leap from I've been playing Destiny with friends to like Destiny is a fixture in my life. I just realized that's a thing that's true. Oh, yeah. Holy shit. Do you need a minute? Yeah, hold on. <laughs> Sorry, hold on. I need to walk away my from... iPhone. <sighs> All right. This is, this is what, this is what, um, this is what, this is, something that's weird about that is that I've always associated being really big into an MMO and being really big into the community. Um, here's a a weird fact about Greg. I subscribe to the WoW subreddit, and I don't subscribe to the Destiny Reddit. (laughs) I play Destiny, I don't
0: play WoW. Why is that? I don't know, maybe there's just something about... At least for you, uh, uh, you, you already feel like you're, you're immersed in, that, in uh, that, that lore and that world. Maybe, maybe not the lore, but at least you, you, you don't... For you, it's all internal. You, you are in that world. You inhabit that world as a guardian. Whereas with WoW, you're more of a, you know, an outsider appearing into that world. I think what it is,
1: is that the community of Destiny to me is my group of friends. Sure. I don't engage with the Destiny community, for whatever reason.
0: Hmm. That's perhaps a topic for another podcast. Yeah,
1: I'm like, well, what can what can I say? that's um, the, the, not gonna sound like I'm just shitting on the Destiny community, because like, I I think the Destiny community is really good. Because whenever I watch like big Destiny streamers, I'm like, these are really nice people. They're like. The community seems cool. They seem like the biggest personalities in Destiny. From what I've seen, are like genuinely good people, and like, you know, I was talking about King Goth earlier. Like, there's, he gets sub comments that are like, watching your stream has made me become a better person. Like, holy shit! Wow. Um, let me tell you, like, uh, that's not the not the impression I've got about PUBG streamers. Sorry. Yeah,
0: that's pretty abnormal. I met. Professor Broman uh, a couple years ago at Pax, and he was nothing but a a gentleman.
1: He, he strikes me as one. Yep. Um, so I so I don't know like the the Destiny community is good, and I think a part of it is just that it is not. Uh, you know, I think the lore is part of it. Destiny has always been criticized for having weak lore that's absent from the game and confusing storylines. I love hearing, the, the the WoW subreddit is full of all these memes about like the popular characters and the factions, the rivalry and all this stuff. I don't know if Destiny community really cares about that.
0: I mean, Destiny doesn't quite have you know you, you know you're either Alliance or your Horde with 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 WoW, whereas Destiny everybody all player characters or Guardians are all on the same side, um, so that sort of you know inherent rivalry isn't there. Um, and and Destiny certainly gets, I think, rightly criticized for having, at least initially, some really confusing external lore, but it's still a really fascinating lore Like when you actually dive into it, and they've done a much better job um, making the stories interesting within Destiny 2, even if they have... I don't know if you felt this way, but I felt like the whole Reb War storyline in Destiny 2 really kind of is just a giant sidestep from the, the main story.
1: It was really simplistic.
0: Oh, yeah. And I think that's a direct reaction Bad to the fact... that guy arrived, wants yeah. to take your thing. I mean, it's simplistic. In, in in some ways, it's good that it's simplistic because it's easy to follow, which is exactly the opposite oh, yeah. it's, of it's, what it's the like, original it, Destiny campaign was. It's like a really good Hollywood action movie. Right. But it doesn't develop... it. It's 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 very much a B story to the overall lore of the Destiny universe. Well, and may, maybe maybe it's just you know we see these weird triangle ships at the end of Destiny Two, and maybe it's just teeing up you know the next great adventure. But um, but it, uh, yeah, there there could have been a lot more. This this is this is becoming a discussion about Destiny Two. I'm realizing. Uh, uh,
1: you gotta you gotta go with what's interesting. Yeah. Um, Interesting to us anyway because if we don't if we're engaged with it, I think it's probably engaging content with a capital C that you can monetize. Good, good content. And now a word from our sponsors. Did you do you have butt rash? <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you have swamp rear? Well, then, let me recommend to you penguin soda. It's It solves your problems. All right, let's get back to the show. Um, Neverwinter is, uh, a really, is like an, uh, th- so yeah, so we are playing Destiny, I kind of decided to voice my frustrations that I've been feeling for a while. I want to be playing a relaxing game right now. I don't want to come home from a stressful day at work and fucking play a twitchy game that makes my eyes blur,
0: you know, like... It's also a dead time for Destiny, you know, the <laughs> Forsaken uh, expansion is about to come out in a few weeks, so...
1: I think Dead Times during Destiny also pushed me more to the Crucible, which is a salt factory. Oh, absolutely. Um, and so I was like, I wish, can we just play an MMO? You know, I just decided to just like say it. I didn't think it was really going to happen because I was like, I know people here aren't into these games. But um, it just so happened that I brought up Neverwinter. It's a free to play game, it's an action RPG, more in the Mass Effect or Dragon Age. And the people were interested enough in that to check it, you it know, out. It's, it's, you know, as
0: a free to play, it's limited risk. Yes, you it's not like we're investing sixty dollars in something we may or may not like. Yeah, no
1: investment. Um, and um, that that part of it that is the appeal that got people to try it—the action RPG element—is the strongest part of the game. The combat is very satisfying. It's fast without being hectic. It's um, it's the right amount of interaction to be fun. It's satisfying a lot of the like. You know, character animation, sound design um, Stuff Feel exciting
0: The The action, at least, for, especially for my character Who is a get-up-in-your-face-with-a-huge-ass-sword-type character A great weapon fighter A great weapon fighter a He's, great a, he's, great weapon he's, he's fighter. a great weapon fighter A great weapon fighter, top of his class huh. um, For me, the combat feels much more kinetic um, Than uh, I have to compare it to WoW Because it's sort of the only other MMO I've played Oh yeah, of for that sure type. Uh, granted, it's been probably a decade since I have played WoW, but in my memory of it, I remember feeling like I'm just pressing buttons and watching things happening. Yeah. As opposed you to feel like distant. Yeah. As opposed to sort of directly interacting with, you know, the environment and the enemies that I'm fighting.
1: Yeah, it's visceral. It's very fun. Very satisfying. The difficulty curve seems to be slow, but. That hasn't taken away from it for us.
0: Yeah, it it's pretty easy, but I think the social aspect of it, you know, just playing with friends makes up for it, and yeah. you know,
1: and and it's it's getting harder.
0: It, yeah, I imagine that as we dive, we, we're, I feel like we're only at the tip of the iceberg as yeah. far as the 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 story is concerned, and there's plenty to do. There's always quests, even you know, even if the quests. Tend to fall into the same sort of you know rote category of, go kill X number of these bad guys or go find you know Y number of this item for me. I I bet when you're higher level
1: you do dungeons together with friends which are designed for three to five people. Right. We've been since we're living our characters we've been doing content that's designed for one person in a group of three or four, uh, or two or three or four, and of course that's gonna be easy.
0: Right. It'll be interesting to see how. Right now, it's just sort of like whenever we're in a fight, it's like there's bad guys, and we all just spam all of our attacks, and everybody's dead within a few seconds. One person in the party is already in the next group. Right. It'll be interesting to see when we start getting into higher level content how our individual classes and individual skills start, you know, becoming a more integral part of how we uh, go about fighting. And it's like, oh, we're really going to need, you know, uh, Greg to go in and throw all of his knives and weaken enemies before I go in and start yeah. charging with my sword or... Or whatever form it takes. Or, or Lindsay will, you know, do a bunch of, like, ranged DPS with her magic attacks.
1: Yeah, I... I, I my understanding is that it, it, the, the the gameplay strategy falls into the classic MMO, like, roles of tank healer DPS. The The sure. gameplay comes down to everyone doing those things right. Um... I feel like we haven't quite
0: gotten to that point not at all. yet.
1: Not at all. Not not yet, not at all. Um, all right, let's put it on let's put this game on blast real quick cuz we have to. It feels like living inside of a shitty free iOS game that you saw in an ad for and it's like there's all these like confusing advertisements to try to get you to spend real money. It's pay for convenience and so like, oh, how do you teleport back to town only if you're in the VIP program? Like weird stuff that's like it hasn't been enough to discourage me from playing the game but it sure is, it just has a a feeling of being it's got a free to play play it's got it gives it a low quality feeling it gives it a feeling of like this is a this is a b-side this is like not triple a this is like a money grab and like it makes me just feel less excited about it because it like, when I see a new thing I'm not experienced with, I don't immediately go to, oh, I'm excited, a new system to interact with. I'm like, instead I'm like, oh, is this a way to try to get me to get money? Right. Uh...
0: Every, Every new thing in the game, you have to, like, I feel like this is true of any free to play game. You know, I understand that because they try to trick you, right? So
1: you have to be wary of everything. It's
0: like, is, is this is this something fun or is this just or them trying to get money bullshit. from me? And I completely understand that they, you know, when you launch a free to play game, you have to figure out a way to monetize it. That's the way you know the games business well, well,
1: works. Well, I mean. Look i I only extend them a certain amount of understanding, and here's why the free to play game industry has a lot of success on shitty practices, and I don't forgive them just because they're business. I never accept the excuse, oh well, we our business needs it, so we have to make excuse no if your if your business succeeds through... Only, if you're a business that only succeeds through shitty practices, you don't deserve to be a business. And if you're a business that partially succeeds because of shitty practices, you should be a less successful business. And that's I don't accept that excuse any day of the week.
0: I mean, I think we could have a whole debate about whether the free-to-play model even works as far as like, um, you know, a quality game platform is concerned. Uh, you,
1: we certainly could. Um, I have a feeling that... Um, I don't even know. I don't think anyone knows. Like, so they get all their money off of whales, the, the people who spend a lot of money, whereas the majority of players don't spend a lot of money. Um, it's really hard to answer the question. Like, Sure, some of those people are kids who stole their parents' credit, credit card. Some of those people just make $400,000 a year and don't give a fuck and just throw money at the game because they don't care. Some of those people have addicting, addict, addiction problems. Like, We don't really know like how how much right. how much social harm is this doing nobody knows the answer to that
0: i mean i can speak for me personally and this is just i don't, I don't want to get too deep into this but for me i feel like the games industry is in a really dangerous place right now yeah. where games are more expensive to make than they ever have been and will probably continue to get more expensive to make
1: and yet the price of a game hasn't changed since the 90s right. it
0: hasn't changed so these companies are forced to figure forced to find these you know miserly uh, you know unscrupulous I, I, means of I disagree
1: they're not being forced to do that nintendo found a better way
0: well i th- okay let me restate that they feel like they're being forced. They to, feel like yeah, that. yeah, and and I can understand that, but I think it's lazy, and I agree with you. I think that there are what the fuck is that? That's a weird sound, right? That's super weird.
1: Is that like a a zamboni?
0: We're we're actually at an ice rink. <laughs> I think that's a zamboni. We're just gonna continue, yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I think that the the current models. The, the way that the games industry as a whole Has responded to This phenomenon um, Is shitty And that that Nintendo As you mentioned is a great example of a company That has figured out a way To um, To solve that problem
1: Yeah it's like you get into corporate personhood Almost like Companies when threatened sort of Tend to behave like cornered animals Like Oh, is my existence threatened? I'm, I'm
0: going gonna, I'm gonna to go for the eyes now, you know? It'll be really interesting to see how the industry responds to the fact that we, you know, pe- gamers are have spoken and said loot boxes suck. Um, and the industry is sort of taking a very hard, you know, sort of backpedaling away from that at this point. It'll be interesting to see what they do to respond to that and whether or not it's even shittier than loot boxes, and I kind of feel like it's gonna be even shittier than that.
1: Um, I think that the arm, the AAA gaming has competed on the graphics arm's race for a long time. For example, and it has to end sometime, and that's part of what has driven the costs up so high. Um, it can't go on forever, and and so even if they extend the status quo by finding new ways to monetize you it'll only
0: draw this out longer this is just me but i'd be happy to like let's take destiny for example if bungie was like destiny 3 is going to cost 120 dollars but you're going to get two and a half years of content there's not going to be any other in-game purchases they can't do it they can't do it I I, I know in the real world, that's going to alienate, you know, a huge number of players. I just wish we lived in a world where that was possible. You
1: know what that reminds me of? Um, I love when when services offer advertising or paid. Um, Mm -hmm. I pay for YouTube. It's not YouTube Red anymore.
0: YouTube YouTube Premium. I I just switched over to that too, actually. I
1: pay for YouTube Premium. I pay for Spotify. Um, I don't view advertisements in my life because I make that choice. Oh, I hate it! But um, that's not every service has that choice. Um, and... I think it must be a floor waxer or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny. Um, the so so anyway. Um, Back to ne- Neverwinter. Neverwinter. It is also kind of buggy sometimes, which sucks. We got into a quest that was poorly programmed, and we couldn't figure out how to proceed. That was really annoying. Um, I still, I've more I've more, more good things to say about it, though. It's very chill. It's like, it's it, the action. It's the, it's amazing how it's fast paced but still very chill. Maybe it's just because it's easy, or maybe it's something else. The jury's out on that one. Um, the, the Dungeons and Dragons world is just a, such a fun world to inhabit. It's such a good company. It manages, it manages to combine high fantasy and low fantasy at the same time in a way that I rarely see as successful.
0: I 100% did not realize until I looked at the map for Neverwinter that uh, places like Baldur's Gate and Icewind Dale were like established locations within a greater lore and not just like isolated locations within that particular game franchise. Oh, Forgot- Forgotten
1: Realms yeah. is the name of the the world, the campaign setting. Okay. Yeah, if you pick up a book on Forgotten Realms, you'll be able to read about all these things.
0: Now I know. Yeah. The more you, the more you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and this region, is called the Sword Coast. I knew that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But like um, when you
0: told me your characters from was from Baldur's Gate, I was like, that's a
1: game. Yeah, it sure is. And Neverwinter is also a game.
0: Right. Neverwinter Nights.
1: Um, the the world of Forgotten Realms is called Faerun. And um, if you, you go on to the computer wow, and look at a map, you can see how huge it is. And the Sea of Swords, I think, is where the Sword Coast is?
0: Yep. My character is from those islands. I can't read the name of it from here. Um, the Something Islands. Yeah. Um, he was driven there because of some reason.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, it's a, It's probably the most popular and well-known... Uh, campaign setting for any tabletop game um the sense of scale of the world is really good um even though the you're unlike a game like world of warcraft where you can walk from one side of the world to the other uh, you are instanced into tiny pieces of the larger world it still feels very huge there is a sense that you're in a part of a larger place even
0: yeah it took me a little while to realize like we were going from location to location and i was like Oh shit, we're still in the city of Neverwinter and yeah. we just recently left it and I so I was like, oh okay. Like it it sort of like made me realize how large the world was that yeah. we've all the content we've experienced thus far is all within one single city. Right. Granted, it's the biggest city.
1: And I think it's the only only city in the game, maybe, I'm not
0: sure. I mean, it makes sense considering it shares the name of the game, yeah. but
1: Yeah, true. Um uh, it's such a fun world. Like I love their, their like l- the types of storylines that exist within this world are really just kind of neat, and I like the races and classes and like the way characters look. is It's all just just fun. I don't know. It's it's a good it's a good casual game to play with friends. I don't know how long we'll stick with it, but
0: at least until Destiny Two Forsaken comes <laughs> out. Yeah, I feel like it's gonna be a, it's it'll be a good game for us to come back to. Um, you know in the downtime of destiny as, as a fun friend, friend game to play. Um, I wanted to say that, that sea of thieves would have done that for us, but I feel, I feel like that's another one we should return to at some point, but
1: yeah, I, I would like to, um, I don't know.
0: We'll see. There's, we live, we live in a golden age of games and entertainment media, and it's really hard to, to like, you got to really sort of, uh budget your time when it comes to these things and really only invest in the things that are going to, you know, be the most fun uh things you can possibly do with your time. At least when it comes to entertainment. Yeah. So that was a that was a long episode. How many we recorded for almost an hour and 40 minutes. I don't know if all this content's going to make it into the episode.
1: It's, uh, it's probably like an hour and 20 minutes then. I think we yeah. we did record it for a while before.
0: Yeah. Well, let's
1: do our closing. Anyway, this has been Heroes Prefer Crossbows. I'm Greg. I am Peacebeard on Twitch, YouTube, Twitter, and Mastodon.
0: Oh, yeah, that's a new thing. Ooh. I should check that out. I got um, three followers. Maybe, oh, nice. Maybe two, I forget. Right, I'll sign up for that today. I'm Smeeth123 on tweet... Uh, My name is Matt. <laughs> mm. I'm Smeeth123... I'm waiting for him to introduce himself. Smeeth123 on Twitch. I'm ma underscore Smeeth on Twitter. I have a YouTube. I don't remember... I never have I don't want
1: to admit that I don't remember your name, so I'm glad you said it. It's fine, yeah. Our theme song is an Epic Song by Boxcat Games.
0: And finally, most importantly... Bye. 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 Bye.
1: Bye. Right, that's, that's, we did that's the end. Have you heard that uh PewDiePie isn't actually Swedish, he's Sugandis? Uh I have not. Also, what is that? Uh nuts. Oh Yeah.